Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. There's so much to get to today. I think the Bills are done. The Bengals might be done. The AFC North is just Armageddon. But first, your Pittsburgh Steelers mm. defying all odds. And I mean literally defying all odds. The only team to go this far into a season being outgained in every game and have a winning record. And their winning record is three games over 500. Don't ask how you got there. Just enjoy the fact that you are 6-3 and three heading into this Ohio road trip. This is what we said needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I know we wanted them to come out against Green Bay, win a double-digit game. Let's have an easy fourth quarter. Let's pop a beer early and have a nice little celebratory <laughs> chug because this game's over before the two-minute warning even hits. That didn't happen. You had to sweat it was it, con- it was getting it was that way. There, but then you had to sweat it out, as you always do. But the main thing is, we said last week, get to 6-3. and three. We said for weeks prior, get to 6-3 mm-hmm. and three before this Cleveland-Cincinnati road trip. And they've done it. And it sets up, it sets the table for just two massive matchups now. One in Cleveland against a team that has the exact same record as you and hungry for revenge after you beat them in your stadium earlier this season. So uh, there's still stuff to critique about the Steelers. There's still stuff to worry about the Steelers. But I think above all else, you have to be pumped that your team is 6-3 and three and has set themselves up for, Jacob, the past three years it's been, we have to win every game down the stretch, it seems, to even get into the playoffs. They have set themselves up to actually, you know, go down the stretch and not just squeak into the playoffs, but maybe compete for the North, get the number five seed in the wild card. After what seems like so many years of slow starts followed by hot finishes, they got off to a pretty good start this year. Let's hope that the hot finish thing translates as well. Yeah, I mean, two big points to be made. I mean, they were two and six last year at one point, Jacob. Is that, yeah. They were three and six through <laughs> okay, nine weeks last flipped, year. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly it's exactly flip-flopped uh, between nine games this year and last year. And, you know, two big things that everyone wants to point out across whether it's just this season or this season and last season is, yeah, they were the first team to ever go through eight weeks, uh, eight games with a winning record after being outgained in each of those eight games. And now through nine games, they would have had a winning record no matter what because they were already two games over 500 at that point going into the Packers game. Right. But here they are still with a winning record, and now they're three games over 500 despite being outgained. And, you know, something that Dale Lawley points out a lot uh, is the fact that a lot of those games, you know, a team had a drive at the end of the game that kind of propelled them over. Or maybe there was some garbage time. Perhaps that's the case, but it's still unbelievable that they're the first team through nine games to to be outgained and have a winning record. Absolutely. And the second major point is, 
dating back to last season, after that three and six start, Tom, the Steelers are now thirteen and five. Oh. We we were we were looking at it last week, saying twelve and five. Oh my God, how do they get here? Thirteen and five. Do you know what that equates to? That equates to a winning record in the regular season, and that's a playoff win on well, top. I was just gonna say, let's cut that off. Actually, let's let's slice off one of those. They're thirteen and four in their last you know sample size of what a regular mm-hmm. season would be. That wins you the division almost every single year. Mm-hmm. That might get you the number one seed in a certain season. You're definitely playing a home playoff game, maybe two, because you might be the number two seed. They have put together in the past 17 game sample size a record that is boasted about with juggernauts, the Chiefs, the Eagles, mm-hmm. the Bengals when they're rolling. Yet they don't look that way. They don't yeah, look. Not at all. Like the Eagles or the Chiefs or the Bengals when they've been rolling, it hasn't looked the same. But don't they say there's more than one way to skin a cat, Jacob? I mean, it doesn't really matter how you get there. You're there, mm-hmm. and you got six and three, and you're thirteen and four in your past seventeen games, and you are trending record-wise towards one of those elite teams in the NFL. Now, I'm not ready to call them an elite team in the NFL yet because of all those other variables. I still think you want to have a good yardage output. I still think you want to see some more explosiveness from your offense. But at the end of the day, you know, this ain't the BCS of old. They don't look at the Steelers and say they're 6-3, and three, but their strength of wins are bad, and they don't look great with the eye test. Uh, we, we really want to sneak them into our playoff. Nah, we'll leave them out. You get in based on your record, that's all that matters. That's all they measure you by at the end of the year. You can get outgained in every single game, and the Steelers are certainly going to try to do that. But if you have a 10-7 and record, an 11-6 and record, you're going to the playoffs. So you can't focus solely on the stuff that still bothers you and the, oh, does this translate into the playoffs? Is, is this sustainable? Those are all questions that you should ask and you should – wonder about and if you're worried that they aren't true and it, it isn't sustainable or it does, doesn't translate to the playoffs that's fine I kind of share those opinions with you mm-hmm. but I'm just trying to preach to you like it doesn't have to be just what's the point they're gonna lose in the first round of that playoffs again and they can't throw down the field the passing game's non-existent <laughs> Get in the playoffs and see what happens you're 6-3 and right. three. you should get into the playoffs you and and honestly, we've said this so many times. Look around the AFC. Well, okay, I'm there glad you no went there. There's no team there that you is started, like head and shoulders above mm-hmm. you. You started the episode saying there's a lot to talk about today. The Bills seem like they're the out Bills of the are playoffs. Done. Dude, they're done. And we'll the get Bengals, to that in our third episode, but they are done. The uh-uh. Bengals, based off of their AFC record, could be out of the playoffs. Those were, coming into the season, what you thought was Locks. the two... Two of the three biggest threats in your conference, and now they might not even be in the postseason with a chance to make it to that conference championship and then the Super Bowl. That leaves only one, and that's Kansas City, Tom. And we know what they look like this year. It's not the same Kansas City team as of old. They were on the bye with this week, so we didn't really get to see another sample of them. They play Philadelphia next week, so we'll see what those two juggernauts but look like, like going up against team. each other. If you, it's if one team. You no, I'm, I'm glad what, like, you said it. The Patriots, when Brady was there, mm-hmm. Steelers avoided him a couple times. They got two rings on their finger. Right. Not saying they couldn't beat him if they saw him in those playoff runs, but they didn't have to. All three all team. three Super Bowl runs that Ben made made it to, they did not play the Patriots in the, in the playoffs that year. Right. So, so like, you if you don't even have to Chiefs. worry about the cha- 
the, the Bengals and Bills even being in the playoffs, let alone going up against a Chiefs team that's not nearly as intimidating as it once was, then it's a it's a very it's a much easier path. I want to call it very easy in general, but it's a much easier path to that conference championship game than it was when you were coming into the season thinking, oh my God, look at the AFC with all these teams. It's just so loaded. It's just so overflowing. How can the Steelers find a way to be the one of two teams to make it to the last round before the Super Bowl? Now it's looking like of all the teams in the conference, the Steelers are the one team that is proven almost every week that they're capable of winning these tight games. Yeah, they got blown out early against Houston and San Francisco. In the Jacksonville game, there were a lot of things that you could point to as the reason why they lost, including they didn't have their starting quarterback for the entire second half. But at least they were in that game against Jacksonville. There was a chance in the second half, late in that second half, where they were still within grasps of coming back and winning that game against Jacksonville. I don't think the Steelers look at themselves as a team as, ugh, we're just... We're, we're just this Fugazi 6-3 and three team. No one deserves, or no one in their right mind should respect us. We know we're fake. I don't think they're looking at themselves at all like that, especially the way they've won their past two games. Their reputation now, too, of pulling out these close games, if you go into a playoff game and it's the fourth quarter and the other team looks up and they're only up by three, Gulp. Like they're going well, to realize, like, this is a team that you don't want to play with. This is not a play with your food type of opponent. And I really just don't see, other than the Chiefs, a team that I for sure nailed on would be like, if they play the Steelers in the playoffs, they'll get up by 15 or 14, 21 early and they'll never look back. I mean, if they see Houston again, I think it'll go a little bit differently your second time around mm-hmm. seeing CJ Stroud. Miami. Is Fugazi right now in my eyes? Oh yeah, not to the point where they're not making the playoffs. I mean, they probably win the. Let's division. think about it. They haven't yet beat a plus five hundred team. What are the Steelers? They still haven't beat the a, Bra- a plus five hundred team. And they got torched by the Bills, which doesn't look like that no. big of a like. The Steelers look better than the Bills right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people want to put the Dolphins in that class of the Chiefs where, oh, I'd be really nervous if the Steelers ended up going up against them. I'm not ready to do that with Miami yet. The potential is there for the Miami offense to be one that the Steelers just, at their current construction, can't keep <laughs> up with. But I have yet to see Miami translate that offense to big games. Mm-hmm. And there's no bigger game than when the playoffs start. And, you know, this would be Tua's first play playoff because he was hurt last year. Skylar Thompson had to start for the the Dolphins, so this is something new for him. I mean, I know he won a national title in college, but this is new and mm, at this I, level. I, I just think that the landscape of the AFC is working in the Steelers' favor so much this year, especially with the style of play that they they like to play with the muck it up, ugly, we're going to win 17 to 16. I mean, a lot of years prior, there was like three or four teams where you just couldn't do that against. It wasn't viable. Now, like we're saying, I think there's only one team that you look at, and, and you're, you're like, still I don't not know even if this sure. Works. You're still not even sure about that one team. I know he's. In, <laughs> I mean, the tight ends in Argentina, the pop stars changing lyrics of her song to fit him <laughs> into it. I mean, they're a little distracted. I'm not saying they. I'm morning football today. They talked all about Travis Kelsey and how he's such a pro and how they don't think that this is going to be a problem tend to believe that too mm-hmm. but it is a bit of a it's more of a distraction than they've ever had to deal with and he's more of their only threat in the passing game than they've than he's been in years past i mean they've had at least other options 
Even mm-hmm. last year when they first moved on from Tyreek Hill, there were some other people. He's nobody there in that passing game uh, other than Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, even though I'm not ready to say every team is beatable for the Steelers, I still put the Chiefs in front of that or in that category of the untouchables. But they are a flawed team compared to their dynasties, uh, their dynasty of past years. Definitely. And when you look I mean, at they lost to Denver, their dynasty of past years don't lose to Denver. And now you're looking at Denver as a team that could be like dug, fighting dug too deep of a hole, I think. But yeah, they're a much better. <laughs> but could team. be something interesting, and now is proving to be a thorn for teams like Kansas City. Yeah, and I, I honestly a thorn think for Buffalo. If you're the owners, the new owners in Denver, you're just like, oh my god, thank God, because you can at least justify another year of Peyton and Wilson next mm-hmm. year because they're starting to turn the corner. But yeah, the. Denver is a thorn-in-your-side type of team. I think the Colts are kind of a thorn-in-your-side type of team. Like, you should beat the Colts if you're one of these teams with playoff aspirations, but it ain't no gimme. It ain't no. like you can just walk in and, you, and, and you know, you kind of trust the Steelers to be that team to say, if it's close at the end of the game, I'm betting on the Steelers because that's all I've seen them do when the game is close at the end of the game. And especially after watching Indianapolis kind of muck it up against uh, England. New England— of course, the Steelers can do that. That's that's all the Steelers do is keep things close and play ugly football. Well, ugly football, to whatever definition you want to associate with that, but they can they can pull out the ugly mm-hmm. wins, if you will. And one thing I really love about the Steelers team that I've seen in the last two weeks is yes, it was Kenny that you really relied on to get you that magical fourth quarter drive late in the game to put you up finally, but for the last two weeks, Tom. You've seen two things be consistent. One is the development of the run game, and two is the defense stepping up in the biggest moment. It wasn't Kenny leading the game-winning drives to go up with less than two minutes left to go in the game. It was the defense forcing the turnovers. Last week, it was against Will Levis on the final play of the game. This week, it was back-to-back, or not back-to-back, but two late-game interceptions, uh, the first by uh, Keanu Neal, the second one by DeMonte KZ. Just in, incredible play from the defense to kind of complement the offense. And that's something that we really haven't said a lot in the past couple of years is complementary football regarding this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And now we're seeing both sides of the football step up in the biggest moments in those final, fin- final minutes of the game. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I think you kind of started hitting the nail on the head there with the running game. They're starting to find their identity on the offensive side yeah. of the ball. And I mean, how it, about how about last week? It's not week, a surprise, though, because this is what we thought the identity would be all year. Right. How about last week after the game of which they ran for 160-plus yards against the Titans 
And rookie Broderick Jones said, yeah, it's great, but I won't be happy until we get 200. We got 200, and I said, I said on this show last week, I hope we get 200 yards rushing. It's amazing that they got 200 yards rushing and they still didn't break that 400 total yard streak. <laughs> that is now in the, the mid-20s. Well, yeah, actually. I think uh, I heard Matt Williamson talking about this. He, he had said that on a, in, a, in a casual glance, if you were to guess how many yards Kenny Pickett threw in that game, you'd say, I don't know, like 200, maybe 225, something like that. Nope. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best game for Kenny at all. They didn't really have him do much, though. He didn't have to do no. much. And now at this point, we've all seen the chart, the pass chart for his, that included zero passes down the center of the field, yeah, down the middle of the field. and people who want to use that chart and say, Canada, like, there are people running in the middle of the right. field. The quarterback is just not mm-hmm. choosing to throw the ball there. And I don't know if that is a chi- – that's a total chicken or egg thing where – is that the coaching staff really drilling into him, don't turn this ball over, don't turn this ball over, and middle of the field is where a lot of turnovers happen, it's where you take the risk? Or is it the quarterback himself who is getting a little bit of cold feet to use the middle of the field, running to minimize as much risk as possible, hoping to avoid any type of turnover or turnover-worthy play? I'm not sure which is the driving force behind that. What do you prefer it to be? I think I'd prefer it to be that the coaching staff is kind of telling him to kind of avoid the tight throws, avoid the risky throws, because if the quarterback himself is kind of just ignoring that part of the field because he doesn't think that, you know, he can get the ball there or he has faith in himself to complete it and not turn the ball over, then I I think that's a little bit concerning as you move forward with him as your yeah. franchise quarterback. And got, Tom, the guy the of the through, field is where bread is through nine games, he still only has six touchdown passes. Yeah, that ain't good. That's actually kind of embarrassingly low. Mm-hmm. And I also think, I, I, I also want to say, there was one play in the middle of the field, the George Pickens pass to seal the game, but Calvin Austin... Yeah, and I think that's kind of a ticky-tacky call, too. Well, I think, actually, I give a lot of credit. I don't know who the defensive back was, but I give a ton of credit to him. That is a veteran play. He was torched by George Pickens. Only thing he could do there was just jump in front of Calvin Austin and hope that the ref threw the the flag. He did it. Mm -hmm. So a very veteran-savvy play from that Packers uh, defensive back. Um, it's on the ref to recognize that, mm-hmm. and the Packers player made the ref have to make decide. the decision. And as mm-hmm. often as they do, the ref made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of bad calls. One was in favor of the Sewers, actually, and that was the, the, backwards, uh, pass. the backwards pass. That got what a huge was up break. With that? Why was that called a forward pass? No idea. I mean, I had the same reaction, obviously much happier in this sense. when Much happier, but more like just like, wow, right. we got away with that. Well, how about the play, too? When it was a deep ball, I think on the right sideline, going to the uh, the close-off end zone, and it was a jump ball to Pickens, and the Green Bay defender came down with like both feet out of balance, essentially, and the ref called it an interception. I like that, though. Call it a pick on the field so you trigger the automatic replay. But it turnover. wasn't even close. But that, I mean... What a terrible play from that. I just gave the defensive back yeah. credit. Maybe it was the same one as far as I know. But, I mean, how do you not drag your foot down? He had ample opportunity yeah. to drag that in, and that would have been a real game-changing play. That's, that would have been a game-changing play. The backwards pass thing, that really, to me, is just such a head-scratcher. Um, we it's have, just kind we of have a, a, a camera. We have video mm-hmm, evidence. We mm-hmm. see lines on a field, and you see the ball drift backwards from where Kenny was on the release of the throw. 
Um, again, I I know that that went in the Steelers' favor. If that is reversed, I don't know. I know the Packers player did pick the ball up, but I believe the whistle blew before the clear recovery was made. Yeah, I think you're so right. So I think it was still going to be Steelers' ball no matter what. It would have just been a loss of, like, four yards. I thought but that— But at the same time, I just wanted to highlight, like, we're not all ref bashing when it comes to, you know, they're out to get the Steelers. Like, it no, is— They're it making is, bad calls. They are calls making bad calls every week. Across Shockingly bad calls. Like, that was one of the more shocking ones because that is so cut and dry. I'm looking through the little replay booth, and I see the ball go backwards. I think there was also a, a, a pass interference call early on for the Steelers' benefit that was called, and it wasn't a lot of contact, but the refs threw the flag, and that was that. Yeah, the ref show aspect of things. Labs said it when we were doing Ask and Answer today. Like, the league needs to realize, and I think he was being sarcastic, once the league realizes like that fans in the stadium, fans at home, don't want to see refs dominate the game. Mm-hmm. And so many times this year... We're seeing refs dominate a game. I mean, in the Titans-Steelers game, there were 17 accepted penalties mm-hmm. in that game for over 200 yards worth of offense. I mean, that's moving the ball up and down the field twice just based on the stripes. Mm-hmm. The you reason I think Steelers that. fans feel like their refs are out to get them is is because I believe the the Steelers lead the league in yards against via penalties. I think they're sixth. They have like 400 total yards against. Well, they're okay. Well, they're up there. Yeah, and that and that, that 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 presence is known, and that, and that yardage is significant. And well, I mean, I'm, Steelers fans want to say the rest are out to get them. I I say maybe your team's just a little undisciplined, and a combination of not out to get you, but refs have just been flag happy all mm-hmm. over. You have the to just be aware of that. It's right. everywhere. You have to almost be a little extra disciplined. And to be fair, too, a lot of people in Pittsburgh are saying the refs are out to get them because it looks like T.J. Watt is held on every single play. Every he, play. Yeah. Every single play. And I know that, you know, that happened to Harrison. That, ha- that happens to all the great edge rushers. They're going to get held, and it's not going to get called. But, I mean, some of them are just so dramatic. So bad. And the plays that the team hits right. because he's being held are so significant. Mm-hmm. You have to throw a flag there. I also don't like when the refs throw a little stank on those calls. You know what I mean? When they're like, offsides, on the offense! Like, and they get, like, really into it. Well, right, I just, you know what's what I, worse? My, ma- the worst is basketball when there's a big charge. Uh-huh. They'll, like, skip their mm-hmm. way to half court. Be like, right. we're going that way! Mm-hmm. It's like, dude. That Calm down. Shows that you think you're part that of that you want to be a part of this, right, like, right? Right? Like not so fast, baby. Mm-hmm. I'm making a play here. We're going that way. Or like, they're relax. petty in the NBA, and for the technical fouls, they do the mini. They do the mini T. Yeah, exactly. Because they want to be a part of the show. And it's honestly, very obvious. Football, you don't see that as much. I mean, you'll see that. I don't. Who's the ref? I can't remember his name, but he has a real hard point to the other side. Wasn't it Hockley? Mm, I don't think so. It was, Boom, but like you don't see the drum, but in basketball, you see so much. Yeah, we're going that way. Same with umps and baseball, right? Like, just calm it down, dude. Mm -hmm. Just give us a call, make the call like a normal human being. We don't need the showmanship. And I think you know, we've had so many of those examples of refs kind of being that showman. And it going viral and people loving it. People, some people laughing at it. Like it feeds the beast a little bit more. Yeah. The only time another ref to be like the only time personality. I've enjoyed seeing a ref was that clip of the game. I think it was between Upper St. Clair and like first time Pine Richland. Maybe yeah, that guy with that Yinzer accent. That's great. First time because guess what? He was just talk. He wasn't 
doing any, you know, theatrics with it. He was just talking. The Offside. Way he, right. On a defense. Still first down. Five yards. So good, right? He should be in the NFL. I think they should call him up right now. Just only for Steeler games, though. Yeah, right. Like that should only be at Acker. Only Stadium. Steeler home only games. Steeler home games should have that rev. But offside on a Jags, five yard penalty, first down, Steelers. Twenty five yard penalty. <laughs> I'm making a new rule up. Hey, I've got some good news. Oh yeah, Yin's chat. It's five weeks now, or five five weeks. It's five days a week now. Oh, really? How about that? Great. Yeah, we're extending it. We got a question for today for Tuesday. Haven't had a Tuesday question no. while we're doing this show. But you can check out Yin's Chat's regular season challenge. Each week, you answer Steelers trivia and make game day picks for a chance to win signed helmets, jerseys, footballs, or even a trip to the 2024 NFL Draft. You just log into the Steelers mobile app now and play for a chance at this week's prize. It's a mini helmet signed by Jalen Warren, who we're going to talk a lot about in the oh, next Oh, I have episode. to. What a beast he is. First 100-yard game of his career against the Packers. Here is the question for Tuesday. Willie Parker or or Cordell Stewart. Longest rush in a Steelers game against the Cleveland Browns. Longest individual rush in or a rush in, yards? Longest in a rush in a Steelers Ooh. game against the Cleveland Browns. Both had a, a knack for the big home run type run. Slash and Willie Parker. I mean, Steamboat. Does he still have the record for the longest touchdown run in Super Bowl history? Steamboat. He, I don't think. I, I don't does. think I remember anyone coming close. So well, yeah, half of that record belongs to Alan Fanica for the play. Right, absolutely. Because Jesus, that was an unbelievable pool. We'll talk about another offensive lineman mm-hmm. who looked good on those pools as well, clearing the play the the way for Jalen Warren. If you haven't figured it out, we're going to talk about the running game next. We're also going to give out our money makers for the win against the Packers. That's on the way next on the Steelers Standard. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 